This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Creative Elements, hosted by Jay Klaus. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Creative Elements goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. By learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creative Elements helps you gain the tools and confidence to do the same. In a recent episode, they talked with Kevin Perry about how he goes viral on every single platform. Listen to Creative Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Gaia Bernstein. She is a law professor, co-director of the Institute for Privacy Protection and co-director of the Gibbons Institute for Law, Science, and Technology at the Seton Hall University School of Law. She writes, teaches, and lectures at the intersection of law, technology, health, and privacy. Her forthcoming book, Unwired, Gaining Control Over Addictive Technology, shatters the illusion that we can control how much time we spend on our screens by resorting to self-help measures. So, Gaia, that was a mouthful, but welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So let's get right into the, there, there are some very interesting, scary, <laughs> ominous things in this book, but there have been a number of books recently. I've had a couple of folks on my show over the last couple of years that have written books essentially talking about how, you know, we need to untether and we need to, you know, not be so, you know, wired. I mean, what are you kind of hoping to add to that collection of warning books, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's them. a great question. Most of the books, I think practically all the books written so far were written by psychologists or right. marketing experts and people who were looking at the problem. And many of them agreed there was an issue, but they were looking at self-help measures. How can we help ourselves? In the extreme case, they would talk about therapy. But I'm coming from a different direction. I'm look, saying basically, we have been trying this for years. We try our screen time just keeps going up yeah. and we are blaming ourselves instead of looking at other solutions. So, yeah. So as an example, I remember one of the books was talking about like removing all the apps from your phone and, you know, things like that. Right. So it was just kind of doing all these measures to take back control. But I think the whole first part of the book is about this idea of it's an illusion, this control. So do we first have to understand that before any kind of measures make sense? Yes, definitely. I basically, we now know we spend tons of time online. That's no surprise to anybody at this point. But right. when we got into this, we did not realize that we are going to end up spending more so much time. We thought we were just adop adopting, you know, an app or we're right. going to start texting on the go. So it was small decisions. We didn't realize that once we start using them, tech industry is manipulating us to spend much more time than we intended. So we were under the illusion we were making all the choices while in fact we were not. And by the time we got it, it was a bit too late because our life was completely entangled in screens. 
Yeah, I wonder, I know somewhere in the book, and there's obviously lots of research on this. In fact, there's apps to track this. So how much time we actually spend, say, on mobile devices and things. And I would bet money that most people greatly underestimate how much time they actually are on the devices. I think people do underestimate. I still underestimate myself. I'm shocked every week to find out how much time I spend on my phone. The Although I think that the problem is that these apps are part of the illusion here yeah. because we get notifications of how much time we spend on our phone. And the idea is that now, if we know we're going to do better, but <laughs> these apps and other self-help tools are not really getting at the addictive elements of yeah. tech. It just doesn't make us believe we're in control. So, so let's just start with this premise. Is there something evil going on here? I think we, for the last few years, we've gotten a lot of information from the tech industry, from whistleblowers, people like Tristan Harris, Francis Hogan, basically showed that companies like Facebook and uh, other online companies, and they basically know that there are addicting users to spend more time online. They hired psychologists to do that. And when they realized how it affects kids, for example, how Instagram affects especially girls and how, and they still decided they're just going to ignore it because the whole business model is based on having users spend more time on right. screen. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. The notices you get now, it's like, so-and-so just posted. I was like, I don't even know who that person is, <laughs> you know? but they're just like, here's the message we want to, it's been, you know, 12 minutes since you've been on our app. So you, <laughs> we want to get you back in there. It's pretty, pretty crazy how how manipulative i guess it really is i mean is that i know you use the word liberally in in the book i mean is that what we're talking about is intentional manipulation it's definitely intentional manipulation it's basically you we get most of our products for free we yeah. get gmail for free we get facebook yeah. for free these companies the it's, this business model has been in effect for since the beginning of the internet basically they make money by harvesting our data and our time. And there's not been enough attention to the time part of this, much more attention to the privacy issue, but basically we have to yeah. stay online for as long as possible so they can collect more data on us and then so they can target more advertising in us. So they basically, they create these designs to make sure that their business model works. Yeah. So there have been some, I was going to say hints, but they're far more <laughs> overt than that, suggestions that that some of the current state of mental health in certain countries, the state of political environments, the state of, you know, cultural and social norms or the changes, you know, can really be linked to this sort of these sort of new norms. Would you suggest that there's something to that? I think for the last two and three years, we've had a lot of data coming out. If we're talking about kids, I think it's pretty clear there's a public health crisis of kids, mental health, issues related to addiction, impact and cognitive development. And there's also a lot of research about adults, how it affects their well-being, about mm -hmm. how these algorithms that are supposed to keep us online for longer create hate. and we've basically been in the science wars for a decade but the evidence now is so so far and i don't i think that there are very few people who don't think there's something yeah. very serious going on here so you mentioned kids um 
in, in particular. And <clears throat> I never really got into the online gaming thing. Just It just never appealed to me. And so I'm really not as aware of that. But I've read some articles recently that, that talk about the addiction of particularly of online gaming. I mean, 10, 12 hour days, you know, spent, you know, in inside of the games. I mean, it, I think that goes far beyond, say, you know, somebody who checks Facebook 25 times a day or something. I mean, so so I know you cover that pretty extensively. And I think that they're probably if people aren't aware of you know, some of the addictive behaviors around online gaming. I think particularly it would be pretty alarming, wouldn't it? I think with online gaming, we see, I would say, the studies vary, but one to nine percent of the gamers are considered to be clinically addicted. Mm -hmm. That is like, they're not, they're spending so much time online, they're neglecting other areas of life, like school, their work. And but there are lots of gamers who just play a lot. And I think this overuse of spending so much time on screen when your whole social life is on screen through the games is very similar to what's happening with social media with social media we just see more girls doing it with games we see more boys doing it mm -hmm. but the amount of time and the impact and the fact and the features the design features which are used in games are very similar to the features which are used in social media yeah so, so is it are we talking about something that will be you know it will not the true sort of ends will not reveal themselves for 20 years and at that point we'll have societal crisis i think that what's happening is already revealing itself i basically i believe teachers are noticing what the kids are different than they used to be especially after spending the right. pandemic in front of screens <laughs> they have trouble paying attention we can see kids are behaving differently. They're looking at screens, they're not talking to each other. The data shows they're staying at home more, they're not going to parties, they're not meeting up with each other. So, and then you have all the data about mental health, the mm -hmm. the uptick in the suicide rate, anxiety and depression started in 2010. At first it was unclear if there were other factors, but I think there are enough studies showing now there's a correlation between smartphones and social media and the climb in kids' mental health, especially girls. Hey, marketing agency owners, you know, I can teach you the keys to doubling your business in just 90 days or your money back. Sound interesting? All you have to do is license our three-step process that's going to allow you to make your competitors irrelevant, charge a premium for your services, and scale, perhaps without adding overhead. And here's the best part. You can license this entire system for your agency by simply participating in an upcoming agency certification intensive. Look, why create the wheel? Use a set of tools that took us over 20 years to create, and you can have them today. Check it out at dtm.world slash certification. That's dtm.world slash certification. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you ready to get out of spreadsheets? Look, with HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your team stay in sync across the customer journey. Build better content, generate more conversions, and get the context you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and your customers at scale, all from one powerful platform. It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one, so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. 
There's no better time to get organized. Get started for free at HubSpot.com today. So you make some parallels that, you know, at first I was like, why are we talking about cigarettes? But you kind of draw some parallels to the tobacco industry, which was was found to, you know, do everything they could to make these things that they sell more addictive. And consequently, a lot of litigation, a lot of, of you know, things happen that I don't really know what the state of that industry is, but certainly some regulation, pretty heavy regulation came. Are you suggesting that that's where we're headed here? I mean, that at some point, somebody's going to be able to sue one of these online gaming companies because they are making the games too addictive? So basically, it's already happening. Part of what I show in the book, I draw the parallels because I think there's a very similar strategy going on of basically cigarette companies blame people for smoking, saying it's not our responsibility, you're choosing to smoke. Same thing is happening with tech. And the same strategies, legal strategies are taking place. So we already have a lot of parents suing games. There's a very famous lawsuit going on in Quebec now, suing Fortnite for being addictive as cocaine. There, for the last year, there have been multiple parents, actually huge class actions, suing social networks for addicting kids and affecting their mental health. And I think most interesting is a very interesting parallel to the cigarette companies. We're now seeing school systems suing social networks for addicting kids because they have to pay for the cost of the kids' mental health. That's exactly what happened with the cigarette companies when states started suing cigarette companies because they had to pay for the health costs of smokers. So... While people are maybe taking that tack, do you see that is really going to, will that end up being able to influence? Yes. So they get fined, they pay a lot of money, they're still selling cigarettes, right? So will the same thing happen to Facebook? They get fined, they have some regulations, but but it doesn't really change anything? So first of all, I think things have changed with smoking. I think far, of course, we have e-cigarettes, which is a different story, but smoking has gone down significantly Mm -hmm. since the first studies came up in the 1950s and regulations started, 60s, 1970s and lawsuits. So, but the thing is, it's not, there's no magic pill. It's not as though, you know, there's going to be one Supreme Court case that's going to change all of this. This is not going to happen. So basically what we're going to see is what happened with cigarettes. There were multiple actions, class actions, legislations, advertising, warnings. All of this happened and things changed over time. This is, we're already seeing this happening now. And that's, I predict what we're going to see Hmm. here. We also have like, I would say the Achilles heel of the personal responsibility argument and kids are so affected and we saw basically where kids are concerned, it's much easier to regulate because it's it's harder to argue that kids are making choices that they're responsible. Right. So I think regulation to protect children is where things are going to start shifting for all of us, not just for children. So you will have to prove that you're over 18 or something before you can log into a game or it will come with a warning that says this could cause cancer. I mean, are we talking about similar similar types of measures? So one of the things I am recommending in the book, I think, for example, parents bought their kids Minecraft as right, an right. educational game. And it's been declared as one of the most addictive games in all times. I'm sure these parents would have loved to know before they downloaded the game, what's the level of addictiveness. I think if you had some kind of warning, then this would 
prevent parents from downloading, but it also might affect game companies to think before they put these addictive measures in there. So I think that's definitely one thing that, that we are likely to see. The issue of age, well, I think there are all kinds of bills trying to restrict, I think in Utah, something just passed to restrict the age of kids. This has been happening in other countries as well, but so it's complicated because you need to be able to authenticate the age and yeah, right, you right, right. and kids are very smart technologically. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but we might see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, kids cannot buy cigarettes until they're 21 now. Right. When I was a kid, I could just walk and get my parents cigarettes. Nobody said a word. Well, remember we had the machines, you know, right? That, that nobody was checking. Is this some, do you find that, you know, Americans are notoriously, whether we actually are free or not, are notorious, like I'm gonna make my own choices. You know, I don't want people telling me I can't drink, you know, sugar drinks and I can't drink or I can't eat X food. Are there other countries that have embraced this and are really running down the track pretty quickly on, on reining this in? So there are Southeast, countries in Southeast Asia have been worried about gaming for over a decade and now more about social networks. So there's, of course, China. China is a bit of a difficult example because it's China. It's a totalitarian regime. We don't think that we should be copying their laws. They've experimented with lots of systems. One system they're experimenting with is not actually they've implemented it already. It's a sh basically restricts how much time kids can spend mm -hmm. on social networks, 40 minutes a day on the Chinese TikTok equivalents. Mm -hmm. And there's also a limit to how much time they can play games per week. Now, it's interesting because now basically TikTok is trying to restrict kids' time in the U.S. They've already been doing it in China for a while. So we're seeing this, but it's not just China. I think Japan is doing the same thing. And other countries like Thailand, South Korea have experimented with different methods. So I think it's important to look there and see what their experience was, what worked, what didn't work. They've tried some methods that decided did not work well. They used yeah. to, like, like, you know, getting kids off games at midnight. It was kids were going crazy when they had to get off at midnight. So I think we should look at the whole spectrum of options and learn because we've not been thinking about it for long enough. So as somebody who spends a little time on privacy issues, you know, where does it fall in that line? I mean, if let's just call it the government <laughs> is shutting my computer off at midnight, are there privacy concerns about that sort of heavy handedness? So there are concerned of some privacy advocates who are concerned about the idea of getting people's age and the identification part of it. So there are issues. The thing is, where I, as somebody who writes about privacy as well, I think there's a strong privacy ad argument for that because the whole business model is based on data and time, as I said. Mm -hmm. So basically, the hope is that this business model will be replaced by a different business model which is not based on our time and our privacy. So I think anything that takes place, which sort of destabilizes this business model is good for privacy as well. Maybe I'm asking the same question, but again, you know, at what point does private enterprise, you know, get overregulated because, you know, because the, you know, the ends justify the means. So the question is, I think the big question is how harmful you think a product is. Right. Because when we think something is very harmful, we do not have a problem regulating it. Right. So the, but the thing is, even with cigarettes, 
which we know are vile, we know they cause lung cancer or death. It took, the first studies came out in the 50s, only in 1964, the Surgeon General announced it was harmful and then people started slowly to regulate. So the thing is, the big thing is to end the science wars and to decide how harmful we mm. think it is. I think for kids, it's definitely very harmful. For adults, it's not doing, it's not so great either. So if you think something's harmful, you regulate to protect people. It's a bit like the seatbelt when you think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were so upset when they had to put their seatbelts on, <laughs> but obviously seatbelts save lives. I don't think people would argue about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, we don't even think about it anymore. You get in the car and put it on. So, so who's in charge of making this happen? Is it, you know, legislators? Is it medical communities? <laughs> I mean, you know, who takes the lead? I think it's a move. First of all, it's a movement that's already taking place. So I think it has different parts. And part of it is legislators, part of it is lawyers. I think parents are taking an important role here. Mm -hmm. They are suing for class actions, but I think they have a big role of changing how schools use technology because mm. schools are have this policy of the more technology it's not just the schools, it's the federal guidelines, actually. Sure, the more sure. technology in schools, the better. I think right. parents can take a big part here. And the medical authorities, basically, when do these science wars end? From the, if we look at the food wars, tobacco wars, they end when you have an important professional organization, like the American Cancer Association with cigarettes, right. you know, make declarations or a governmental authority that this thing is harmful and we don't have that we have very partial recommendations from the american pediatric association or the world health organizations about screen time for kids and mostly for young very young kids so so that's so i would say the movement has there's lawyers there's medical the medical organizations and there's all of us who can also influence norms the people who have businesses they can think about what business model they want to adopt yeah. do they want a business model based on time it's funny when my kids were little it was the warning from the pediatrician was don't let them watch too much tv but now nobody <laughs> watches tv anymore right <laughs> i beg my kids to watch tv <laughs> <laughs> Well, Guy, it was great having you stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to tell people where they can find more about Unwired and maybe more about the movement you're suggesting and connect with you? So GuyBernstein.com is my website, and they can also find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere awesome. they buy their books. Yeah, awesome. Well, again, thank you for taking the time, and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.